Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. Chapter 5, verse 17. What I do very, very predictably is on this Sunday, the last Sunday of the year, sometimes the first Sunday of next year, I'll bring a message on new, new beginnings. And it's, it just does kind of go close to that, but it's not my standard message. Um, I don't know if I have a standard message, but the theme is usually pretty similar. Now, um, I, I know I asked this before, how many of you overate like Christmas, Thanksgiving, right? How many of you, and maybe, I might be a Lone Ranger on this, I don't really know. But after, after a particularly good meal, and frankly, don't, don't challenge me on, on nutritional things. It's not meant to be nutritionally uh, uh, diagnostic. But uh, when you eat really well, <laughs> when you win, I look at a good meal as a really good win. When I'm done with that, I say, that's okay, because we're coming up to January, and that's when you hit your New Year's resolutions, right? <laughs> yeah, and I, I do it every year. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Just, I, have, I have no problem with that whatsoever. And I make my resolutions. I don't make some resolutions. And I, honestly, God just changes things along the way. The things that you said are really, really important. I've got to do these things. Well, God brings more important things along the way. So yeah, we don't need to be tethered too tightly to it. But it is good always to have a, a goal on, on the things that are important. So the, the message is not really on that per se. But I've entitled today's message, God Help Us See. Help us to see the things that are most important. I will make up my list of New Year's resolutions, and I won't tell you most of them. I may not tell you any of them. Um, but I, but it, looking at last year, I see things have gone well, not well, things I'd, I think I'd like to fortress build more up. And you know, the reality is, when you look at life and the things you want to do, and I don't want to digress too far, but you can't do everything at the same time. Right? You can't. You know, a church, we need to be a discipling church. You need to disciple, everything disciple. We need to be soul winning, you need to be soul winning. You need to be ministry oriented. You can't, frankly, just do everything all the time. But what God allows us to do is to see the balance. To, we always want to serve to, the, to our, the best of our capacity. That's always the goal. But then what ways do we apply that? And that's the principle that we're going to be addressing today. God, help us to see the things that we need to see. And it may not be necessarily a good versus evil contrast. It might be, Lord, in the, next, in the coming days, perhaps in the next year, maybe for the next direction of life, what do you want me to see? Lord, help me to understand the things that are so important to us. We're going to start with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse uh, 15 or 17. And the first thing we're going to take a look at today is a new beginning. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, very well-known passage of Scripture. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the time that we have in your house today. And Lord, we rest confidently in the promises of the word of God. Lord, we look at ourselves, we realize we are recipients of grace and mercy. 
Lord, we are honored to be able to serve you in whatever ways that you open up the door and whichever ways you give us the grace, the enablement that we need to serve. And it's our highest honor to do exactly that. But Lord, at the end of the discussion, we look and we see that we are needy people and that we need you so desperately. So Father, we thank you for your mercy. Lord, we thank you for your blessings on our lives, on our church corporately, on our lives individually, as we look back at the year 2021. And uh, Lord, uh, we've been challenged and life brings its struggles and um, but, Lord, you're faithful. You never have never left us nor forsaken us. So, Father, with the challenges that may come, we pray, Father, that you'd help us to always, always, always keep our eyes on you, Lord, to trust you. When we can't understand the circumstances and the, perhaps the moment seems somewhat chaotic, Lord, help us to always remember and rest assured in the fact that you're always in control and that you know the end from the beginning. Father, we pray, as always, if there be any here today that, are, that has not yet been born again, Lord, we pray that this would be the day for every one of us. Lord, help us to see. Help us, Lord, to be concerned about seeing and then enabled to see the things that you have for us, generally through your word and specifically in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So help us to see. And this will... This will probably, this won't be a long sermon. It may be one of the shortest sermons you've ever heard. Why do I lie so much? Uh, it is a simple sermon. And we're talking about new beginnings. And we read the passage. I love this verse. There's a lot of verses that we read, and they're, they're just terrific. Uh, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And that's a, that's a great verse. This is one of my favorite verses. Uh, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, all things are passed away. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, that's a reality. It's not say. oh, I'm going to pause for just a moment. Excuse my, my reordering things. But uh, Frank and Seth, really good to see you this morning. Merry Christmas. Glad you could make it. And um, so new beginning. So we are a new creature. It's not you will become, or if you're faithful, perhaps this will happen. God makes us instantaneously, when we trust Christ as Savior, a new creature. And all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That, that is a spiritual, positional change. It's a redefinition of who we are. We were a child of wrath, a child of the devil. Whether you knew it or not, maybe you didn't think it was that bad. I didn't know it. When I got saved, I didn't realize how bad it was. But I was a child of the devil. Now I'm a child of God. All things have become new. Now, it would be nice if we just snap our fingers and say, now all my behavior, all my thoughts, all my, my acts of service will all become new and be flawlessly executed. Well, if it, if it was like that automatically, as nice as that may seem, that actually wouldn't be a good way to go. Because now there's no dependence on God. Because everything's just going to go automatically the way it should on every way. God wants us to rely on him. God wants us to see what he wants us to do. He wants us to see that. This new beginning, our, our perspective on life will change. I, I love what it says there. You can turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. On this new beginning, <laughs> Ezekiel, again, talking to Israel, and I'd love to, so many messages, so many biblical points involve and easily embrace God's relationship with Israel, the grafting in of the Gentiles, and then the, the reuse of Israel, and just how God 
he, he knows everything, and he, he obviously, and he has got a plan that will absolutely come to pass, no question about it. But here's what he said through the prophet Ezekiel, and Ezekiel, I hate to say he's my favorite prophet, because there's so many good ones back there, but Ezekiel is just terrific. You start with Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, wheel within a wheel, and the fire unfolding itself, and it's just amazing what God shows the prophet Ezekiel. He shows the prophet Ezekiel, the Holy Spirit of God, leaving the temple in Jerusalem. People didn't even know it. The Holy Spirit of God was in the temple of Jerusalem, but because of their wickedness, their, their idolatry in the temple from the highest levels of the priesthood service, there's wickedness going on in the temple. Ezekiel is one who says, oh yeah, yeah, and the Holy Spirit left, and he went to the outside of the temple, then he went outside the gate, then he went up to the, the hill, and he left the temple. So Ezekiel describes some things that you couldn't see with your eyes, but God told Ezekiel were happening. In Ezekiel 36, 26, he says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. Now, this is the general way in which God works. And we're going to see that in just a minute. Specifically, he's talking about Israel. He says, A new heart will I give you. They don't have it yet as a nation. And someday, all believing Israel, not, not all ethnic Jews, but all believing Israel, will be restored. And it says, a new heart and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, a real heart, but it's built the, the right way. It's a new beginning. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. All things are passed away. I'm so glad that I'm not the same person that I used to be. And it's amazing what God does in our lives. For instance, when you got saved, if God told you the day you got saved, or maybe the day before you got saved, of the steps that were going to happen as a result of being saved, following Christ, the blessings that would come, and the challenges that would come. We might say, no, I don't know if I want to do this. So God doesn't show us everything at once. He doesn't want to show us everything at once. It'd be amazing if God had, had, had told me, well, if you get saved, you realize someday you might be a, a pastor, and all that goes on. I, I was so uninformed about even what that meant, I would probably say, I don't think I'm ready for this. But you know what? You and I, are we ever ready? God will lead us, he'll strengthen us, and he'll guide us. And every new adventure that we do is exactly that. It's a new adventure. It's something you haven't done before. There's got to be new waters. There's got to be new adventures as we serve the Lord. We can't have experience on something that we haven't done yet. And so God has a way of making things new. Our perspective on life will change. He says in Ezekiel, he says in, in, in 2 Corinthians, he's going to give us a new perspective, a new heart. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I'm so glad that he made me new. Do you ever get frustrated with yourself? Because you say, God, you made me new. Why do I still have this old flesh thing come up in my life? Happens a lot. Can be in a lot of different areas. He made us new. He wants us to rely on him. See, he's not going to make it automatic. He's not going to make it where we don't have a choice on whether or not we're going to sin or serve. He wants us to choose. That is the highest and best expression of our love and our faith that we could possibly offer to him, to willingly follow him. So there's a new beginning. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful I'm saved. I'm so thankful that God has made... Uh, matter of fact, this, last week or so, I've been talking a few times with... Uh, uh, Brother Rich uh, Overton. Remember Rich and Mary Overton? They've been with us a few times. Lord willing, they're going to be with us sometime this next year. Wonderful, wonderful uh, man. And uh, his father just passed away. I saw him at the funeral. We were talking about, you know, before, 
during and after that time. And it, one, one statement he made several times along the way, just at a heart of sincerity and spontaneity. He said, God has given us the best family ever. I'm like, he absolutely has. I've got a great biological family. They're a little twisted, but I love them. I really do. And we are not on the same page on a lot of things, but I love them. They're my family. I'll always love them. But God's family is a better family than anything the world could ever give. Even biology could ever give. God's family. It's awesome. And so if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. And it's just, it's a new beginning. But also, kind of more importantly, it's a new victory. In uh, John chapter 1, we're going to read the first 13 verses of John chapter 1. And the new victory, so new beginning, new beginning. Huh. The day I got saved, I really got saved. And I don't mean that by way, by, and I mean infer that if you were to look at my life after I got saved, you would see an undeniable expression of biblical Christianity just pouring out from me better and more noticeable than what you've seen in most other places. You wouldn't have seen that. You only see a normal Christian. And that's where most of our lives are. We get saved. And God, he, he lights, he sets a light within us. We've been made partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He makes us new, and he starts a new perspective in us. We see things differently than we used to before. In my personal experience, after I got saved, didn't have a lot of Bible knowledge, uh, but I knew the places that I used to go, I, don't, I shouldn't be going there anymore. And I stopped pretty quickly. I didn't have a clear uh, set of scripture verse to tell me that. I just knew I shouldn't be here. And I don't mean that we should always go by feelings, but it was God leading me in that way. You ought to get out of here. And then uh, I got out of there, and I'm so thankful for that. He gives us a new perspective. He does speak from within, absolutely, but our highest level of understanding and direction should always come from the written word of God. As noble as our aspirations, our intuition may seem, it's the Holy Spirit, I mean, take it away. But as noble as that may be, the written word of God is always the highest level. And, but God, he does not leave us the way he found us. Oh my goodness. Um, think about you, and there's no glory, in, we're not glorying in sin, we're not trying to resurrect any, um, any images, I was going to say any dead cats, but you don't know the illustration, so let me just explain. Bob Neeson preacher. Haven't seen him in many years. He brought this illustration one time of a man who got saved. And he said, it's kind of like, so you get saved and you put off the old man. He said, it's kind of like taking your cat. Nothing personal. I like cats. Just for the record, I really, really like cats. This is, we're talking about a bad cat. <laughs> so a bad cat. <laughs> Move on. So he gave this illustration of a cat. And so his cat died, and he put it, and he buried it out in the back. And every once in a while, he'd go dig it up to see how it's doing. Now, I understand that may be offensive, but to a young guy, it like really resonated. I remember that illustration. And it's kind of like that, it's like that with the flesh. Every once in a while, you think, oh, how it used to be. Well, dig up that cat. And after a while, you realize that is, that, that's so, that's so corrupt I don't want to see it anymore. That's not what, it, you, what I thought it was. And God gives us a new perspective. He doesn't leave things the way he found them. 
And so in John chapter 1, we'll let the scriptures speak on comment on one of these verses. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Verse 13 is the operative thought here. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You know, he does not leave things the way he found them. And just to, if your life is like mine, you probably haven't had too many watershed moment days where your life changed radically in a single day. For most people, and there are big changing days, the day you decide to get saved, serve, whatever it may be. Those are big days. But generally speaking, our life is, is more of a, it's like a, a cross-country run and not a 50-yard sprint. And, and over time, we see how things have changed. And, and there's no one here that would even begin to think, wow, I'm really special. I mean, as far as God got a great deal when I got saved. Or what a great Christian I am. I mean, if you ever even think like that, throw it out, because it's, it's a really bad idea. But one great frame of reference that we can see and give glory to God for is the difference. Take a snapshot of yourself then, take a snapshot of yourself now, and you say, there, there, that is God's grace in me. That never would have happened outside of God. What is that proof of? It's proof that God does not leave things the way he found them. And this, this verse here, he says, you're born again, not of blood. In other words, not of your biology. It's not, no matter what heritage you may have, nor of the will of the flesh. You know, you're, we're changed by this. Um, let me just reread that verse. Which were born not of blood, or nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So not of blood, not of the will of flesh. That's by your natural means. Nor the will of man, by our own our own determination for ourselves or for others around us. You know, parents can't save children. Friends can't save friends. Children can't save parents. We can't do that. It's not the will of the flesh. It's not the will of man. But it is of God. And if any spouse wants to be saved, well, you got to get saved on your own. If any parent wants to get saved, you got to get saved on your own. It's you and God. Any child wants to get saved, you got to get saved on your own. You're either saved or you're not saved. And it's on your own because it's not of the will of man. It's not the will of flesh. It's not by blood, but it's of God. And everyone that gets saved has to get saved on their own. They can't trust somebody else. They can't trust, oh, I was brought up in a Christian home and I believed what they said. Now, that's a good environment. And so faith is not a way, trusting faith, but that doesn't save you. You need to get saved on your own. And what we see here is it's, it's so clear. If men are to be saved, if women are to be saved, Ye must be born again. 
Our salvation is not a result of our birth. It's not a result of any circumstance, any experience, life, life changes, life environment. But we need to be saved, and we need to be saved on our own. And God does not change things. William Jennings Bryan said this, talk about how God changes things. If the father, and the word here is deigns, if the father deigns or designs or desires to touch with divine power the cold and pulseless heart of the buried acorn and make it burst forth from its prison walls, will he, will he leave neglected in the earth the soul of man made in the image of his creator? And the obvious answer is absolutely not. If God chooses and does bring life to an acorn as it lies in the ground, how much more does he desire to bring about a change in us? And it's robust, and it is, it is ongoing. It's enabled by God himself. It's not dependent upon ourselves. And, you know, the thing about the new birth and how God makes everything new is <laughs> you can't understand it until you go there. In John chapter 3, verse 3, the Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, you can't fully understand it until you get there. It, the Bible talks about in uh, 1 Corinthians, I don't know if they have a reference here, how that uh, the carnal, mind can, carnal man cannot understand the things of God, but only by the Spirit of God. So it's that element of trust. Someone may stand back and look at Christianity, they may look at someone who told them about Christianity, maybe an imperfect vessel, whatever it may be, and they don't get it. They, you know what, folks? They never will until they enter in. They have to understand that, they're, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, obviously. They have to understand and be willing to admit and repent of the fact that they've sinned and come short of the glory of God. They've got to understand that. But then when they, like a child, ask God to forgive them because they're honest, they're not making up stories or excuses, God, I'm a sinner, I'm asking you to please forgive me and save me. I trust Christ as my Savior. That's when we start to understand the things of the Spirit of God. And you can't understand them until you've been saved. You can't. God will allow you so much light to come to Christ, then after that, the floodgates open. And I remember, in my own experience, before I got saved, I started reading the Bible. I never really read much of it as a kid. Snippets here and there. I, I can't even tell you what they were. But then I started going to church. It was an independent Baptist church, heard the gospel, and heard things that just made total sense. And, uh, and, and God was just leading in that way. But I remember going home, and I started reading the Bible on my own. And, I mean, I'm, I'm in college. I can read, as surprising as that is to some of you. I could read. I was a normal... I actually I got like a B-plus or something on some courses, not so well in others, but I could read. And as I'm reading the Bible, the English made sense, but it just, oh, I don't get it. I don't know how it ties together. I mean, it, it, it was clunky. It was, something was missing. But then I got saved. And I, 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 I wish, it, so I sort of wish, that the fullness of understanding flowed in. It didn't quite happen like that, but what did happen, and it was remarkable. I'm not the most insightful person in the world. I'm not the most sensitive person in the world. But when I started reading the Bible, after I got saved, I remember very distinctly, 
I'm understanding this now. No one told me, you can't understand it until you get in. No one did. Because you can get some understanding. God will give you some understanding. But you, you never really are able to fully understand until you get saved. And why is that? Because it's a victory. We're on a victory march, folks. We're the, you, ever, you ever see like a, at a race, they have a victory lap? A car races, maybe some foot races, I don't know. We're on the victory lap. We don't go home wondering, oh, I hope this all works out. <laughs> have you ever go home after church? Please don't raise your hand. But have you ever go home and say, I hope this works out? You know, cross your fingers, oh, I hope this works out. We don't. Why? Because we won. And so we should never forget. There's victory in Christ. He's a new, he, 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 we have a new beginning, we have a new life, new victory. And lastly, a new end. <laughs> Fantastic. I love, I love the idea that, uh, that I've been in the ministry for 30-something years. If I do the math, I'll figure it out, but it's 30-something years. I like that. I like that very much. There's more capable people. There's more whatever. But I'm just so thankful that for somehow, some way, God kept me going for as long as he did. Aren't you glad that, that you haven't given up? Aren't you glad you're here today? I mean, in God's house, it's God's, God's word is being proclaimed. We, we read it. We apply it. I mean, this is, it's, it's a terrific reality that, that we embrace, that we see, that so many other people don't see. And it's, it's a shame. That's why we want to tell them. But this new end. In, um, turn with me. Well, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 3.3, 3, but then we're going to jump to Revelation 22. In 2 Corinthians 3.3, 3, the Bible says, For as much as ye are manifestly, that means remarkably, demonstratively, were manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, the apostle said, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. In other words, we're proof. We are proof of God's working in the world. Now, honestly, sometimes you say he could get better evidence than us. But the fact is, we are evidence. We are evidence of God's working in the world. We are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ. Us, we are. Why? We've been born again. We're on a journey that has absolutely no failure, no final failure. There's battles along the way, but no failure. We're on an absolutely winning team. And then I'd like us to turn, and there's more we could comment on that, but in Revelation chapter 22, we're going to read the entire chapter. I love this chapter. I love all of them, but oh my goodness. It's... Yeah, I, I've never been a big reader. How many of you like to read, like, fiction, novels, that kind of stuff? You ever, anybody? Anybody readers? I, I, never, I was never really into it. I have read, I do read, and I can read, but I've never been a reader. You know, novels, in mean, like, fiction. If it's not true, why would I spend all that time? Right? It's fiction, right? I understand there's benefit to it, but I've never been a big reader. But if, you, if you're reading a book and you want to know, how it ends, you go to the last chapter, right? You ever, you ever have somebody, <laughs> and that's what I would do. When I was in high school, I'll just admit, I know you're going to be totally shocked by this. I didn't like reading. I read a few books as a kid. Um, I didn't read the books. You ever hear of Cliff's Notes? Yes. I did. Sometimes, sometimes I did read Cliff's Notes. Sometimes I didn't even read Cliff's Notes. I would ask a friend of mine that read Cliff's notes, what did it say? <laughs> That's how I did my assignment. 
Yeah, yes, I put more work into these sermons than that. But that's, that's what I did then. But when I think about it, now, and we're not just talking about a book. We're not talking about Shakespeare or whatever authors were out there. The Word of God that has a chronological element to it, the Old Testament and New Testament. Not every book exactly like that, but Revelation certainly is. Revelation is a revelation. It's the apocalypse. It's a lot of it's prophecy. It has some historic references in it, but mostly prophecy. Then we get to the last chapter, the last book of the Word of God. That's just so awesome. We're going to read it, and we're going to only comment on one or two things. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and, in, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. When I heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches, I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Now, this is the operative thought here, verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto everyone that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The, again, the operative thought, verse 17. I wanted to read the context. It's just such a great chapter. And the spirit and the bride say, come. We've got a new ending. I don't want to go there by myself. I will not be going there by myself. 
But we want to gather, and Jesus spoke of this, make to yourself friends of the man with no unrighteousness, and when you fail, they may really see, may receive you into everlasting habitations. And so he talks about one of many passages, talking about winning others to Christ. Come on, come with me, come. Last chapter, last book, and the, the, the wording is, come. The Spirit, Holy Spirit, and the bride, the church, say, come. And he that heareth say, come. Everybody else, come. And let him that is uh, thirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. As we go, we're ready to leave, and I believe the day's coming closer and closer. We just turn around with the world behind and say, come on. Why you still can, Noah on the ark, the, the rains are starting to fall, and the floods are starting to come, and of course the door is closed by then. But be- just before they, the door is closed, he might be on the ark, come on! Nah, they didn't listen. But boy, I bet he'd love, love it if they did. And we as believers in Christ, born again, redeemed, blood-bought saints of God, we say, come! We don't want to go by ourselves. Want more on here. The spirit and the bride say, come. We've got a new end, and it's, it's a wonderful end. It's an end. We just wish others would listen to us. That's all. Just listen. I'm not trying to give you a religious. We don't try to give religious instructions to people around us. Just say, folks, it's here. It's right here. Let me simplify. Let me just give you a gospel track. Just take a few things from here, and it'll explain some of the things we're talking about. But come on. Enter in. It's wonderful. Not without its challenges, but it is wonderful. And I reckon that the sufferings of this present time will not be worthy of the glory which shall be revealed in us. It's, it's awesome. We've got a, a new and a wonderful end that is destined to be ours. Not resting on our own faithfulness or accomplishments, but based on his faithfulness and what he's done for us. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.